Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. My God, we've got a jam-packed and important show for you today. Irony on full display in Washington, D.C. last night as pro-Palestinian protesters lash out at the DNC, staging, yes, a violent protest, not mostly peaceful, uh, outside the Democratic headquarters. They went, I was going to use a certain word, I'm not going to use that word, they went crazy. They went crazy out there. They injured six cops. They would not leave. They were, they truly were barbarians inside the gate. It came as a shocking new trend has emerged on TikTok. Yashar Ali, who does great reporting online, he's an independent journalist who's broken a lot of big stories, tweeted this out last night, and it's gone completely viral. Young Americans are now expressing support for Osama bin Laden after reading his 2002 letter to America following the 9-11 attacks. And instead of reading this letter and being repulsed by it, their eyes have opened wide to how wise bin Laden was. Joining me now, Bethany Mandel and Carol Markowitz. Bethany is a contributing writer for Deseret News. Carol's a columnist at the New York Post and host of her own podcast, The Carol Markowitz Show, together They recently wrote the book, Stolen Youth, How Radicals Are Erasing Innocence and Indoctrinating a Generation. Well, that's on point. Bethany, Carol, thank you both so much for being here today. I just, I, but we have to start with the 9-11 thing. It's just too, it's too much for me. I don't, anyone who lived through 9-11 is recoiling in horror at what these young people are saying. They've been indoctrinated, their minds have been twisted, they've been brainwashed, they're weak, they're weak, pathetic souls. And I, I just posted on Twitter a minute ago, to, the, to their parents, you failed. You failed them, you failed us. Here's what I'm talking about, just a sampling of what's been posted. Everyone should read it. If you haven't read it yet, read it. However, be forewarned that this has left me very disillusioned and I feel the same exact way I felt when I was deconstructing Christianity. I I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same because in the last 20 minutes, my entire viewpoint on the entire life I have believed and I have lived has changed. I need you to stop what you're doing and go read A Letter to America. It is literally the craziest thing I've read in a while. And while I can't say that I'm that surprised, I am pretty shocked. In reading the letter, I could only think of this tweet that I saw the other day. Under settler colonialism, any kind of resistance is branded as terrorist because the only acceptable violence is violence by the occupier. Reading this letter, it becomes apparent to me that the actions of 9-11 and those acts committed against the USA and its people we're all just the buildup of our government failing other nations. The way this letter is going viral right now is giving me the greatest sense of relief. If you're Muslim and you've lived in the U.S. since 9-11, you know more truth than the typical citizen. Now it's all coming to light because of Palestine. Unbelievable. Just a note to the to those morons. 
3,000 Americans died on 9-11. Four planes were hijacked thanks to bin Laden and his evil plan. Children as young as two and a half were murdered on board the aircraft that took the lives of innocents who just went to work that day. And remember this man, all right? Let's talk about Kevin Cosgrove to all of you assholes now posting your fandom for Osama bin Laden. Kevin Cosgrove was 46 years old. He was in Tower 2. He called 911 seeking help as the smoke was billowing into his lungs and he knew he was about to die. He had children, he had a wife, and he was utterly helpless because of that evil terrorist who you're now praising. Since you don't look at history, I'm bringing it to you. Here's Kevin Cosgrove's 911 call. Maybe there's two of us in this office. We're not ready to die, but it's getting bad. I understand that. We're trying to let them know where you are. Where's the fire, sir? We're smoke, new bill, 105, two power. All right, sit tight. We'll get to you as soon as we can. Where's the stand up at the smoke, new bill, man? That's all we can do. We can do it. Where are you? Which are you guys up to? We're getting there. We're getting there. Doesn't feel like it, man. I got young kids. I understand that, sir. We're on the way. You have everything, sir. I know you do, but it doesn't seem like you got you got lots of people up here. I understand. And then you go out in the building, but we're in the top up on the top. Smoke rises. It's really good. We're on the floor. We're in the window. And then you have to be in green hair. Can't see. Oh, thank God to blow you in from the list. Does anybody else want to try in here? These young men, we're not ready to die. I think I'm all right. I called and said I was leaving the building. I was fine, and bang. Hello? Hello? We're looking at a financial center. Two three of us, two broken windows. It's upsetting. Kevin died that day, along with 2,977 other Americans. And we have so lost the youth of this country that now, 20 years later, not 70, not 170, they want to look back and rewrite the history of Osama bin Laden because Palestine, because deconstructing what? colonization because there's been a mind meld on college campuses that has corrupted and infected and toxified an entire generation. And now your kids and my kids are going to have to deal with these cretins who hate America because we made them, because their parents failed them, their educators failed them, corporate America continues to fail them, the media continues to fail them, and it's the fight for our lives. If you don't think this is coming to a school near you or a community near you, you haven't been paying attention. I'm so angry and I'm so grateful to Yashar Ali for monitoring the lunacy over on that platform, TikTok, because without him, we wouldn't have known this. And we've been seeing it on the streets. We've been seeing it in response to Israel. We've been seeing it last night out in front of the DNC. But this is the most stark example 
their own, their countrymen, 3,000 dead, and they're cheering the man who did it. Instead of reading his letter and realizing, I agree with him, I should reevaluate my views, they read his letter and said, right on, man, America deserved it. I don't even know what to say. Bethany? Yeah, I mean, this is exactly why Carol and I wrote Stolen Youth, because it's not just in college campuses. It's in elementary schools. It's in middle schools. It's in high schools across the country. They want to deconstruct and they want to completely break apart Western civilization. They want children and young adults to believe what those kids believe. They want to believe that America is evil and that Western civilization needs to be destroyed right down to the very foundations that like men aren't men and women aren't women and nothing is real. Um, and you know, it's really scary to see that this is something that is allowed to be said, but it's not surprising at all. Like we are 40 days past what happened in Israel. And within days, people were starting to question all of the GoPro and all of the telegraph messages that Hamas themselves produced. So if we're going to question what happened on 10-7, when there's ample video evidence, why not question what happened on 9-11 20 years ago? None of them were alive for it. And it's it's really scary because for, I think, a lot of people of, of my generation, I'm in my late 30s, 9-11 was a really seminal turning point moment where that opened my eyes and, and changed my entire life. And honestly, in a lot of ways, this is a weird thing to say, and I'm trying not to get canceled, but in a lot of ways for the good, because it made me understand what what the world was and that there was good and evil. And as a teenager, I didn't totally understand that. But when you see that take place in front of your eyes, it makes you question everything that's happened, but not in the way that they're questioning it. It made me realize that there is evil in this world, that people will get on a plane and drive it into a building, and they don't care about the innocent lives lost, and that we have to be aware of what makes our country great. And we have to promote that because if we don't, we become like them. And they're taking the lesson of 10-7 and twisting it completely in the reverse that, you know, maybe let's see the perspective of the people that raped, violently raped children, that chopped the heads off of babies. There is no perspective there. There is, no. there is nothing admirable no in context. that point of view. Yeah, there's no context. And if you think that there's something that can be gained from and I'm using this term very loosely, people like that, then there's something broken inside of you that is perhaps not fixable. It's sick, Carol. I mean, it's we've been seeing it. It's been right in front of our very eyes now for a long time, but in the past five weeks in particular, this sickness that is spread like the plague across our college campuses and our youth. TikTok is absolutely a part of it. You know, it's you can't deny that it's an infestation. TikTok is the, it's the yeah. thing that spreads. It's not the virus itself, but it spreads the virus. And it's of course controlled by the Chinese who hate us. They don't allow their kids to have social media from us. Mm -hmm. They only do this to our children. And, and I, I do not let the schools or the parents off the hook. What, this will not happen to my children. It will, right. I, I will go on record and tell you, this is not gonna happen to my children. We are inoculating them against this shit. Why aren't more yeah. parents, get off your fucking iPhone. Pay attention to your child. Look at your kids' lessons. Get out, get a, step down from the women's march, which by the way, it was totally anti-Semitic and we called it out mm -hmm. as did many at the time. Do some parenting if you're going to bother having a child and stop indoctrinating your own children to those of you who are on the left in this pernicious woke ideology, because this is where it lands. 
I'm very fired up about it, Carol. I feel like we're totally forgetting. Yeah. We're forgetting 9-11. And it's, you know what's going to happen? It's going to happen again. Right. I, I absolutely am with you. I'm fired up about this also. The idea that my children will someday be making excuses for mass murder is one that I just can't abide by. It's such an indictment of our education system that these American kids don't realize that they're born, you know, not, I, don't, I don't even think third base. They're basically born on home plate and they've been led to believe that they live in this terrible country. I was born in the Soviet Union. I write this piece every year on my America anniversary about how grateful I am to be here, about how much I know that my life could have been so different. I make sure that my kids understand that. And I think just the, the luck that you have to have to be born in the greatest country in world history and think that you're somehow, you know, born in a bad place and, and th these are the colonizers or whatever nonsense. And as if these people wouldn't slit your throats, as if these people wouldn't fly you into a building on the airplane, they just found the body of a peace activist that Hamas had murdered. They didn't care that she had stood up for them, that she had tried to make peace with the Palestinians, that she had wanted a better life for all the Palestinians. They didn't care about any of that. They murdered her anyway. So yeah, you know, one of the things that I would also say is that as we've been traveling around uh, to promote stolen youth, I've heard from so many parents who are like, I lost my child to this ideology. And I'll say to them, like, did you did you talk about it at home? And they're like, not really. I thought, you know, I thought they went to a good school. I thought that they had good friends. I thought we lived in a good society. If you don't say it to your children, if you don't live your values and talk about your values and tell them about your beliefs, somebody else is going to fill in that information. And it might be somebody saying, hey, 9-11 wasn't that bad. We're not going to repeat the contents of the bin Laden letter here, but suffice it to say, it's all about how terrible America is and Israel and Palestine, like he was in common cause with the Palestinians. And then it went on. I guess they missed the part about how we're doing. We're, we're living lives of debauchery over here in America. He didn't much like the fact that we had female waitresses. And so, I mean, like, the, the, was a, this is a madman. You're a bunch of dumbasses. You're either ignorant or you're crazy. I don't really care. I just don't want you to have any power. And I really don't want your voices circulated over and over and over again. Now, apparently, TikTok is saying, OK, we're going to remove this content because it violates our our policy. OK, sure. After you've gotten the message everywhere and they've been they've been the propaganda kings during the whole aftermath of Israel. TikTok is what's helping poison the, the minds of half these young people who are out on the streets right now thinking that they're somehow avenging the innocents who killed all of those evil Israelis on 10-7, Bethany. I mean, that's really what we're seeing is the messaging that you see on TikTok over and over gets repeated on these campuses. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, what I don't understand is why we're not having a conversation that is imminent about banning TikTok. This is a mind control apparatus that the Chinese Communist Party is operating on our children, and they're very successful. They're, they're achieving their, their stated goal. And we're just sort of like allowing this to happen as if we don't know what's, what the game is here. And, and a lot of it is because, and you touched about it, you touched on it a second ago, they like, put your iPhone down and actually parent your kids. People aren't parenting as a verb mm -hmm. anymore. No one is actively parenting. And it's the same with the United States government. They don't want to actively parent and take TikTok away because they know that people are going to be mad. And Democrats are like, well, you know, the youth vote is so much, uh, so much at the core of, of how we win. We don't want to tick those people off. I'm like, I'm sorry. Sometimes you have to do things that you have to do 
even when you're the bad guy, even when, you know, I, my kids all have a stomach virus right now and they all want to eat candy right now, which is usually what I do in exchange for a Megyn Kelly hit. And they're not getting it today because <laughs> sorry, y'all, it's not good for you. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy. Right. Social media is very dangerous. The younger you introduce it, the worse it is. Yeah. And then you don't monitor it, monitor it, right? We, we talk about like the wine moms, put down the wine, step away from the Chardonnay, pick up your child's phone and throw it in the toilet. If you have a <laughs> particularly young child, the young kids should not be on social media, period. Yeah. They should not be on social media. Pay attention. You need to get junior a phone because you got to pick them up after soccer and you whatever, have to coordinate. Fine. Do it. Okay. But a lot of parents do that. You don't need social media. That's what all the experts have been saying. It isn't the phone that's causing the damage. It's the social media. Keep your kid off of it. You're the other kids will figure out how to text junior in order to get him to the party. If they, if you cultivate a child who's interesting, who's kind, who's fun to be with, they will find a way. They'll remember the magic of texting and reach out to your boy or your girl. He doesn't have to be on TikTok or Snapchat, which has all these backdoors to bullying. It's led directly to tales of suicide that I've witnessed firsthand myself with activists and moms who have lost children. Just stop. It's not worth it. I had a, I had a woman come up to me a couple of years ago who shall remain nameless and say, you know, she, my daughter, she seems like she's in a great mood. And then Carol, she's like, I, she goes on the phone. This is this, at this time, this girl was 10 or 11. She goes on the mm -hmm. phone and she emerges in a terrible mood. She's angry. And, and she, the mom said to me, I don't know what to do about it. I'm like, you, you don't really <laughs> let me help you. Right. Yeah. The, the idea of people keep using the the analogy that these phones or these apps are, are similar to heroin or, or crack or something. Um, well, you wouldn't pay for your kids heroin or crack. And yet here you are paying for their phone, letting them have this addiction, letting them have this bad stuff go on in their lives. I, I think that the oversight is really the whole thing here. It's, you know, even if you allow your kids to be on these apps, which is a bad idea for most ages, I think that the idea that you have to oversee is one that parents just can't let go of. You know, I'm not a wine mom. I, I like whiskey, but I make sure that I know every single thing that my kids are doing on the internet. There's no universe where I'm not aware of every single thing that they look at or pay attention right. to, or, you know, which Mr. Beast video they're particularly into. Um, I know all of it and that's the way you have to be. And it's hard, but it's necessary. Yes. Uh, so it's deeply upsetting to me. I, I'm, I thank God for women like you. Thank God. How many, what child are you on now, Bethany? <laughs> Six final answer. Six. Thank God. <laughs> no, final answer. Thank God. We need that. We need more sane people reproducing because our kids are for in for the battle of their lives. Like we, we need more normies. That's what we need. Just normies. People, yeah. it's fine. You can support Palestine. You don't like Israel. You don't. Okay, that's fine. That's a position you can hold. I, I don't agree with you, but whatever. Um, this is next level lunacy. There's something wrong with you. you. Your parents failed. Your system failed. And you're a failure. And now our kids are going to have to do cleanup because of you. They're going to have to work harder. They're going to have to distract themselves from their lovely lives of hard work and family and growth and creativity to deal with your issues, which they'll do because our kids will be strong enough to handle you. But I wish it weren't so. I wish we were all in it together like America used to be. Um, let's get to what happened outside of the DNC. So but actually, before I show this video again, let's just spend a moment on what happened in D.C., not the DNC, but in D.C. 
two days ago at the, the March for Israel, which was extraordinary. And the numbers range from 150,000 to, you know, up, but there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there supporting Israel. It was calm. It was beautiful. They were singing songs. They were embracing. There, it wasn't covered in hateful signs. People weren't wearing masks to, to mask what they were doing. This is in the beginning when, when uh, the, uh, at one particular area, and then people just started coming in by the droves. Um, they were just making a point about love and life and support for Israel. Uh, and then there, were, there was bipartisan support amongst people who were there. I know, I think you went, Bethany, you were there, yes? Yeah, I was with all six. Oh, wow. Good for you. So why yeah. don't you describe it in your own words? Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, the, the crowd estimates were close to 300,000 people. Um, and it was, uh, <laughs> the security wasn't great. Uh, I wish it were better. Um, it's sad that that's sort of like the, the top priority for a Jewish gathering, that the security has to be top notch. Um, but thank God, like there were, this the fear was of people coming from the outside, but none of them showed up, which was luck. Um, everyone there, we didn't need security because it was a bunch of singing, a bunch of high school kids and college kids and so, so, so many families. And I mean, my kids, they range in age from 10 to one and they were playing with all the kids around us and singing songs and running around and, you know, singing the Israeli national anthem and chanting USA, USA. That's my daughter daughter and her friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was beautiful. It was really, it was such a wonderful display because there were probably an equal number of American flags and Israeli flags and they were, they were proud and they were happy and they were so grateful for the American support because everyone there, a lot of them were not Jewish. And I think that that's like really an undercovered part of the rally. There were a lot of Christians there and they understood that, you know, what we are doing in what we are doing in Israel is look at that to the direct benefit of the Western world. This is not just Israel's fight. And we're seeing that. I mean, in the next segment, we're talking about what's happening outside of the DNC. Like that is Hamas sympathizers. And if Israel doesn't handle the Hamas problem there, it will come here and it will get worse. Um, and that's mm-hmm. something that everyone there understood that this is not just an Israeli problem. This is a Western world infection. Um, and we, we have to, we have to eradicate it. So you, you see the approach that Israel supporters, many people who were Israeli there, American, of course, Christian, non-Christian, Jewish, whatever, all there in solidarity and a peaceful show support for Israel, our closest ally in the Middle East. And then you see these lunatics go out in front of the DNC. They're mad at the DNC. This is the Democratic National Committee headquarters because they're not demanding a ceasefire because they feel they're too pro-Israel. And of course, a ceasefire means giving up. A ceasefire means Hamas regroups and attacks Israel again. That's why people don't want a ceasefire. People say, oh, it's because you want dead children. No, it's because they want, they want fewer dead children. And the only way to stop the dead children is to stop Hamas. So they go outside of the DNC. And honestly, like this behavior was so bad. I can't believe there weren't mass arrests. Cops mm-hmm. got hurt. I think only a couple people got arrested. They, mm-hmm. like, there was it no wasn't exactly either, the J6, was one, one, one person got arrested, six cops got hurt. Um, they, the reports were that they were actually, the protesters were pepper spraying the cops. Then they right. denied that, said it was the other way around. The cops stand by the story. Watch, look, look at, look at the videos. 
For the listening audience, these are cops pulling with all their might to try to get these protesters the in locked DMC. arms We're away. We're outside the Democratic Party headquarters because this party claims to be on the side of life and peace and equality. And we're saying that we want them to live up to their values and oppose this horrific war and call for a ceasefire now. Protesters fighting police, not complying. That was a woman. It was a black woman in the face of a white cop saying, fuck you, fuck you, bitch, as he was trying to keep her back from storming the doors. Um, they were there in droves. All the cops were trying to do was push him back. Get, get away from the doors. There were people inside. There were lawmakers inside. Get, get away from the doors. Let them leave. Stop it. They were undermanned. This is a trend now in D.C. They don't know how to do crowd control anymore. Um, they were undermanned. And the hospital, I mean, can you imagine, Let's just, truly, can you imagine going out there to protest, which is wonderful. God bless America. You can do that here. I do love that about our country. It's crazy when you read these things in France, like they're not allowed to protest. So it's particularly brave for them to be out there. What? What? It, 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 you forget our core rights and how important they are. But this isn't protest. This is riotous behavior. This is unlawful behavior. This is false imprisonment of the people who are inside. When you, when you ban across the door and don't let them out, they should all be arrested. They should be in prison right now. But they're not in prison. They're, they're probably going to be back again tonight in some other location. Uh, and that's their anger just at the DNC. I'd hate to think if you guys were there, you know, re openly representing that you're Jewish uh, and waving Israeli flags, what they would have done to you. I, it's, it's lawlessness. I mean, it's true chaos right on the streets of Washington with lawmakers having to evacuate the Capitol, uh, members of Congress having to be evacuated from that building. And there will be no punishment, ladies. Will there? I mean, am I am I underestimating our D.C. authorities? No, I mean, if there was going to be a punishment, they would have been arrested last night. They should have been tear gassed. I mean, if you want to rewind to January 6th, a woman was shot when she was trying to enter the Capitol. And by the way, I think she should have been. If you're if you're violent and you're climbing through a window towards lawmakers, you lose the right to any expectation of like gentleness. And all of those folks, like it should have started with tear gas and it should have ended with, we are going to open fire. If you are trying to enter that building, like game is over. And, and this is, again, the lack of parenting, but on the part of the police. No one wants to stand up and say, it's time to stop now or there will be consequences. They had no issue offering that advice to all the folks on January 6th, there were mm -hmm. consequences and there are continued consequences. I think it was like last week, someone was finally submitted himself for prison time for what he did on January 6th. I don't really care. I'm not sympathetic. If you went into the Capitol building unlawfully, I like you, you've surrendered your right to, to freedom. Same, same thing but applies was, here, it, but they should have. So I, I don't know about that because there were some people, there were some absolute criminals on January 6th who belong in prison. The ones who fought with the cops, they can F right off. But there were others who were waved in, like didn't actually did not realize that they were not allowed to be there, who are being treated like they're hardcore yeah. criminals. And I don't think that the, that the shooting of Ashley Babbitt was okay. I really don't. I don't, I did not see deadly force coming from her or an, a deadly threat to that cop. But, you know, 
should she have been manhandled? Should she have been, you know, pushed back? Should we, uh, like a rubber bullet or a tear gas? I would have been okay with that. And I would have been fine with tear gas or a rubber bullet here. Get out. You're breaking the law and you're endangering people. Um, but they don't like the problem is, Carol, they don't man these things appropriately. They continue right. to underestimate the violence of these crowds. And then they sort of act like, oh, gee, I don't know, I guess. And then no arrests, just like we're seeing co coast to coast in this country. So you know what that yeah. breeds? A whole lot more of it. Yeah, well, part of why I think it was so important to see this march for Israel, you know, 300,000 people almost, you know, meeting together and marching peacefully, no fires, no assaults, no tearing tearing down American flags, just singing and praying and, and being together, is that I think Americans forgot that protests don't have to be violent. They don't have to have fires. I mean, when CNN reported that it was a mostly peaceful protest that had, you know, fires in the background, I think they changed the conversation to what protest is really like. I think that we've collectively, and maybe not, you know, the three of us here, but a lot of people just believe that that's, oh, that's how protests go now. They get violent, they get into cops' faces, they um, break things and they smash things and, and no nothing is done about it. I think the fact that the police often stand down in these situations is, is a testament to where the police are forced to do, what they're forced to do. I don't think that they want to stand down. I think that they're kind of ordered to. Um, and I think that what we've got right now is so little policing going on and so little security going on. It's partly why Americans are so worried about their physical safety and just generally about the country's direction because they feel that nobody is there to protect them. And I, I think that it would go a long way to see better security at these protests, better policing, better all of this, um, to make us feel like a normal country again, where these kinds of things, we don't stand for them. And unfortunately, it's not just DC, it's happening all over the country. It's happening in places like London, where, you know, where are the police when there's thousands and thousands of people breaking stuff and tearing stuff down, and they're just nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. There, there you just imagine yourself going to a protest and locking arm in arm with your fellow protesters so that you can falsely imprison the people inside the building behind you. And then when the cops come and tell you to disperse, you won't. And then you fight them. They're trying to pull you off the steps and you fight the cops. Like the cops don't have enough challenges. They've got to deal with your lazy ass that's probably contributing absolutely nothing to society other than this moment of being some sort of a rebel rouser. Um, and you fight. And you know what? What do you think is going to happen to you? What do you think is going to happen to you? But the cops won't take it next level because all we're seeing in New York, in D.C., in other cities is payouts to the protesters after yep. the protest. If cops actually do what they need to do to disperse the crowd with it, they want. We're up not saying, supposed to. Oh, I was bad. I know you're into this also, but, you know, we're not supposed to name these protesters so that we don't make the mistake of hiring them. I don't want to hire somebody that does this to police officers. I don't want to hire somebody who blocks the door to keep people from inside. I think that the idea that this is free speech or that they should be protected for some, you know, for some of their for their speech is like ridiculous. It's not, it's not about speech anymore. These are riots. I don't want to hire rioters. I'm sure lots of other people don't either. Partly why I think these people need to be named and, and openly, you know, uh, we know we know who they are and and we don't want to have them working for us. And I think that that's a very sane and normal thing to think right now. That's yeah. absolutely right. This is like who who would want to hire one of these lunatics right. and they can yeah. say they can say everything they want. You know what? I, yeah. I'm sure that they can they can get hired by uh, the U.N. They can get mm -hmm. hired by the the national chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine. I think yeah. Candace Owens is hiring these interns right now. They've got a lot of options in front of them. Yeah. No, I mean, I also, I, I, I want to just make sure that I'm, I'm 
pushing through the point that I don't blame the cops here. They understand that they're, they, they don't have, they're not, their backs are not being held by anyone. This is why it's so hard to find people who will sign up because when you think about the job description, like who would be interested? We would like you to put your life on the line, but if you misstep at all, you will be publicly shamed. You will be eviscerated. And Mm -hmm. The, like no one in your county, no one in your state, no one maybe even in your precinct will stand up for you. And so when they see all of these things happening, the only leverage they really have is, you know, sort of standing their own ground. But why would they Why would they push back with anything resembling lethal force when they know that if they do so, they do it at their own personal peril? Well, and lethal, we don't want. Lethal is a bridge too far. Lethal yeah, would have been appropriate know. in some of these BLM protests, those those BLM riots where they were burning shit down and people were actually dying. This, yeah. no, you don't have lethal, but you do. No, no, but in aggressive. response to that, it's lethal. If you're burning bil- buildings down with people inside them, that's when you yes. use lethal force. Of course, but you're saying here, which this did not warrant lethal force, but this warranted no, 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 no. show of not, force. Yeah. And the cops just out. A good, a good time to say that Bethany and I do not agree on everything. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have a lot of, you know, crossover, but sometimes we just veer into our own directions. But no, if you're lighting fine. buildings on fire, we're all on the same page, right? That's yes. lethal force. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the circumstances. but yes, sure. if you are caught in the act of setting the building on fire, sure. Yes. I mean, you can right, use fine. it. Basically, the law says, you know, lethal, like if you if you are causing uh, lethality, the police can respond to you appropriately with lethal force. That's fine. basically it has to match, you know, page. so if you're not posing an actual threat to somebody's life, they can't shoot you. They can't take you out. That's why if you are, try to carjack somebody and then you run away, they can't shoot you in the back. But if you're running right, no, with a machine page. gun and you've just shot somebody, then they can shoot you. Yeah, same page. Okay. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, you mentioned the the peace, mostly peaceful lie. We saw the ABC, ABC News chief White House correspondent calling some of these protests passionate when they looked like this uh, about two weeks ago. And that brings me to um, Staten Island, where you guys know Julio Rosas. He's been doing a lot of great reporting. He's been on the show. He documented a lot of the Antifa stuff and so on. And now he's gotten some, um, his Substack is called Mostly Peaceful because he's been mm-hmm. living in the middle of these things for years now, putting the lie to it. And here's what he found at a pro-Palestine protest out in Staten Island. We don't want no Tuesday. sound a lot like Maxine Waters, mm-hmm. right? Get in their face. We will go to them. And maybe you could shed some light on we don't want no Tuesday. We want 48 for the listening audience that didn't get what that means. So there's this idea that the Palestinians just want their own state, that Hamas is really just, you know, murdering babies and, and 
raping women and, and kidnapping grandmas just because they don't have their own state and they really, really want one. Um, that's just not the case. They do not want their own state. They've turned down their own state a number of times. What they want is for Israel not to exist and for Jews not to have any place to live in the Middle East at all, because at the moment, Jews don't live in any of the countries uh, surrounding Israel except Israel. And that's you know the way that they want this to go. Um, I think that a lot of people, I remember AOC came out for the two-state solution at one point or early in her career. And she said, you know, she, she supports a two-state solution. And then she had to walk it back the next day because that is no longer what the left believes. They believe in one state called Palestine, no Israel, no Jews. And the idea that from the river to the sea doesn't mean specifically genociding Jews, everybody knows that it does. So I think that there maybe are some people who say things that they don't understand. I want people to understand that there is no two-state solution that any of these people would be in support of. What they want is for Jews to disappear from the region. And what I'm telling people all the time is that if you support Palestinians, if you support a free Palestine, if you support a state for them, then the first step is that they need to understand that Israel is not going anywhere. It's not happening. It's just, it's so off the table. And if you support Palestinians and you want them to have good lives, you'll, you'll push them to accept that reality because that really is step one. And so 48 would be at a time when Israel didn't yet have a country, when the Jews did not yet have a country. And that's, they're, they're making very clear that's what they want to go back to is for all of you people who want to pretend these are a bunch of peaceniks. Because exactly how is that going to happen without the elimination of all those pesky Jews who live there now? Explain that to me, right? Um, all right, let's take a, a brief pause. We'll squeeze in a commercial break and we'll come back much, much more as Bethany and Carol stay with us. The media, of course, continues to play its expected role in covering what's happening over in Israel. Uh, most recently, we've been talking from the beginning of this whole conflict about how Hamas has been using hospitals in Gaza as their terrorist operations base bases. And that's certainly the case at Al-Shifa Hospital. And Israel went in to try to take care of that problem and did so, I think, in the most responsible, judicious way you could ever ask someone to go into enemy headquarters um, and then document it all. I mean, it's great that they document everything. I was just thinking, like, what a pain in the ass for Israel, to because they know everybody's going to make up lies about them, to have to videotape every single thing they do, right, to show you, look at all the machine guns we found underneath the cardiac resuscitation machine, right? Like, look, at and they did. They put it all out. And yet, and yet, Carol, um, the international media doesn't seem to care. The World Health Organization called the incursion into this hospital totally unacceptable. Hospitals are not battlegrounds. And then my pal, yeah, except when Hamas makes them so. And then my pal, Alan Dershowitz, he pointed out that Human Rights Watch, which is nothing of the kind, <laughs> it is not what it sounds like, they're outraged. Their headline on this was unlawful Israeli hospital strikes worsen health crisis. Um, this was actually on the other hospital um, nightmare, I think. But in any event, they, they of course, paint uh, the Israeli military's behavior terrible. And what they say is the Israeli military's repeated, apparently unlawful attacks on medical facilities, personnel and transport are further destroying the Gaza Strip's healthcare system and should be investigated as war crimes. Contrast that with 2017, when it was America 
battling in Mosul against ISIS. And we had to go in and take out a hospital that ISIS was using as a headquarters. And there, Human Rights Watch could see the, they could see the truth. They said Islamic State, also known as ISIS fighters, who had occupied a, a Mosul hospital for two years, put staff and patients at risk of attack. Yes, exactly. But when it's Jews, it's very hard for Human Rights Watch to see the contrast, Carol. They're really struggling to see who's actually the victim and who's the victor. What, what's interesting is that it wasn't even, you know, an open secret that Al-Shifa Hospital was used as a Hamas center. It's been, I didn't even think it was a secret at all. It, it, it was something that I think so many people knew. I, I would not call myself a Mideast expert. I know quite a lot about it, but I, you know, I, I leave the expert label to other people. And I had heard about the command center under it. There have been comedians over the years who have made jokes about it. It is not a secret at all that this was going on. And so what I don't get is the conspiracy theories around it. Like, oh, no, there isn't. And so why would Israel spend all this time there? Why would they put soldiers on the ground to go inside this hospital if they don't believe that it has weapons, if they don't believe that there's a chance that hostages are being held there, if they don't believe that there's a command center? Why would they waste all this time? Who is this benefiting? Make your conspiracy theories make sense is all I'm looking for here. And so, so far, none of them do. And I don't understand the argument that Israel is just what wanted to hurt um, people who were staying in the hospital, they could have, you know, bombed the hospital if, if that was the case, right? And they don't do that. So the fact that Israel does these really careful incursions where they do document everything is a real testament to the IDF and a real testament to the way that Israel conducts itself. Yeah. Even Human Rights Watch, which I just mentioned, look, this is all found in the hospital, um, admitted in 2007 that Hamas had fired at its Palestinian rival from within mm -hmm. this hospital. They knew right. very well, but they've weirdly forgotten it all um, now that it's Israel on the other side of it. Here's the BBC trying to report on um, what happened there. Watch in SOT 10. At this moment, we are hearing from Reuters that is reporting that Israel, it says its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in Gaza's Al-Shifa hospital. And they are targeting people, including medical teams, as well as Arab speakers. Once again, we are hearing from Reuters that Israel says that its forces are carrying out an operation against Hamas in that hospital that we had just heard of. They are targeting is Arab speakers, as well as some of the medical staff there. Unbelievable. And now uh, an apology from the BBC. A BBC News, uh, as it covered uh, initial reports that Israeli forces has entered Gaza's main hospital. We said that medical teams and Arab speakers were being targeted. This was incorrect and misquoted a Reuters report. We should have said IDF forces included medical teams and Arabic speakers for this operation. So we apologize for this error. Which yeah, pretty big one. Pretty big one, Bethany. And by the way, they don't make the anchor who said all the false stuff do the apology, which is how it's supposed to be done. It's weird how the errors always go in one direction. There's never, they, they never, yeah, it, it's weird how it always happens. But I mean, if Israel, Israel is being continually accused of genocide. If they were interested in genociding, they're actually very bad at it. It would have been a lot easier if they had just bombed the hospital. And instead they went in and they documented everything they saw. And what I'm seeing from pro-Palestine and progressive journalists is like mocking what they're finding because somehow they didn't find enough guns. They didn't find enough magazines. They didn't find enough RPGs. As if they didn't have five weeks warning that their headquarters was about 
to be invaded by the IDF. And so this idea that like, okay, yes, the, the hospital did have some guns, but not enough to justify Israel coming in. Like <laughs> how many guns precisely does it take for this to be considered a military base? Apparently right. five weeks of, of notice before they start clearing out all the good stuff absolves them of the fact that they were using this. And this is, again, like what Carol said, it's not even an open secret. It's just an open thing that is understood within everyone on the ground. People who were working in the NGO world in Gaza understood that ambulances were being used to transport Hamas fighters, that orange vests that are normally worn by paramedics were being worn by Hamas fighters. Like they are using Israeli, they're, I'm sorry, they're using Palestinians as human shields. That's what they do. And one of my favorite clips recently was Al Jazeera was interviewing Wait, we people have it. in the hospital. I know yes. what you're going to say. Stand by. I'm going to run it and then I'll, I'll give the, you the floor. Sad 11. Sad 11. It was not one house that was bombed. An entire compound was erased. Over 15 or 20 houses. Is this a humane act? No, this is a criminal act. As for the resistance, they come and hide among the people. Why are they hiding among the people? They can go to hell and hide there. Okay, so for the listening audience, Al Jazeera, well, Bethany, you can explain what just happened, but it's amazing, the propaganda by Al Jazeera. Go ahead. Al Jazeera interviewed that man who was critical of Hamas for hiding among the people. And what did that Al Jazeera man. reporter did? Yes. What did that Al Jazeera reporter do? He walked away quickly and tried to find another guest because what he was saying was awfully inconvenient for their narrative. Yes. And then the Hamas man, then the Palestinian man kicks the Al Jazeera reporter a couple of times. He's pissed. He wants He's his pissed. mic back. He's speaking truth and Al Jazeera mm -hmm. won't let him. Well, I mean, he's risking his life by doing that. At least let him have the floor for 30 seconds. Yeah, but, exactly. You know. it, the, the media is disgusting. My God, they're so corrupt. If you like, there's so many examples. And that BBC thing, Carol, is really the BBC. Honestly, they yeah. need to do better. They have the resources to do better. I think everyone knows to take a Reuters report on anything involving the Mideast with a hefty grain of salt. They should know that. And they would if it weren't for the fact that they share the same bias. I, I don't I just don't wait for any of these media outlets to ever be fair to, you know, not just Israel, but to conservatives or anybody who doesn't walk the extremely leftist line. Um, I think we have a real problem with our media. Look what happened that they were New York Times and other outlets were using people who were actually embedded with Hamas on October 7th. I think that that's just that step too far. And I think that we've gotten to a place where we expect the worst from the media and they deliver. And the BBC is just, you know, another example of that. They've always been anti-Israel. They're pretty anti-America. They're pretty anti anything that isn't specifically left liberal. And that's just yep. the way it goes. It's a, I mean, it's a pretty big mistake to say that the IDF is in that hospital targeting Palestinians, mm -hmm. targeting Arabic speakers. And then you find out, Oh, wait, it actually they just brought people in with them who could translate and help them communicate what they were about to do and move. That's actually what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, they got that a little bit wrong and then didn't have the balls to put the, the, the anchor who made the mistake on camera to apologize for her error, which honestly, these errors get people killed. These are big errors. They need to be far more careful. All right. Bethany and Carol, stay with us. We're going to turn to politics next. Did you see Vivek Ramaswamy on CNN? It, there's so much to go over. It was pretty delicious. We'll take it up next. 
So there was a fascinating interview, uh, courtesy and credit to Mediaite.com, because I don't watch CNN, but uh, they highlighted it, between Vivek Ramaswamy and CNN's, I don't, she's a relatively new primetime host named Abby Phillips. And um, they got into it on a number of things. And I have to tell you, you know, when Vivek has said weird things, I've been critical of him. I've also been a big promoter of his on his books and so on for a long, long time. But this was gold. This was pure gold. I was 100% team Vivek here. He gave it to her and it was kind of a thing of beauty. So on two points, there was one answer that I didn't like as much. We can get to that. But I loved, loved, loved these first two exchanges. This, what she did to him so encapsulates what the media does but on both pr- fronts. Okay, we're going to start with the women thing. Nikki Haley weirdly went like pro-identity politics in her interview with the fellows from Ruthless. She started to do like the girl power thing. It was kind of weird. And Vivek called her out on it. But listen to how Abby Phillips, keep in mind as you hear this clip, she mentions what Vivek did, Nikki Haley does, at the debate when it came to Kristen Welker, the moderator, Ronna McDonald, the RNC chair, and then Nikki Haley. That's what he was attacked with. Watch the clip. Here's what your fellow Republican Nikki Haley said about you earlier today. Just listen. What happens? He comes out of the gate. He hits the female chair of the party. He hits the female anchor on the platform. And then he hits me. And I'm not saying anything. I ain't saying I'm just saying. But he might have a girl problem. (laughs) I'm just saying he might have a girl problem. Okay, so she's laying out three different women that you've attacked. Um, Why is she wrong? Well, she also left off that list. Dick Cheney, Lindsey Graham, Karl Rove, John Bolton. The real issue is there's an old neocon wing of the Republican Party that I've been crystal clear critical of. Speak the truth and we have to be willing to hold failure accountable. That's Kristen Welker and her lies that she's told about the Trump-Russia collusion. Mr. Ramaswamy, I'm I'm going to stop you right there because there's no reason to to bring Kristen Welker into your dispute with Ron McDaniel. You literally paid tape of Nikki Haley talking about Kristen Welker. Well, so I'm responding I, to the I, tape that the you just played for your viewers. The question that you so were answering was about... So give me a break and stop viewers. Uh, good for him. She tried to sandbag him and he got her and she deserved it because that was bullshit. She tried to just play the Nikki Haley tape of he's got a girl problem because he went after, among others, Kristen Welker. And then when he tried to say, this is why I went after Kristen Welker, she tried to, oh, I will protect my fellow female anchor and shut this down. No, you put it out there. Give him the chance to answer it. It's such bullshit. And just because this Abby Phillips has like a nice voice and like a pleasant demeanor doesn't make her any less pernicious. I was disgusted by what she tried to do to him and I was cheering his shutting down of it. What did you think of it, Carol? I'm not a Vivek fan. I find him to be a flip-flopper. I think he has a very shallow understanding of a lot of the issues, and I don't really think he's a Republican. So the, it's funny, the your fellow Republican, Nikki Haley, said, but I think he nailed her here. And I think that he was right going after Kristen Welker and going after Rona McDaniels. I think that they're just... Um, you know, those are actually really good targets. And he said the right thing about them. Um, the fact that 
the, the media continues to push Russiagate is unacceptable. I, that's fine for him to comment on that. And the thing is, the Abby's comments um, on CNN here, it really hurts women like us. We can't be in the conversation and then also like, oh, I'm but a girl. You can't criticize me. Like, yeah, you can. Right. And if we're going to sit at the big boys table, then we have to be able to take that, you know, pressure and comments and be able to handle ourselves in a positive way. You don't have to like Vivek to think that it's correct for him to criticize any of these people. They're on the public stage and they're absolutely fair game. I totally agree with you. They, they were even on Fox the day after that debate, they were saying that he was a sexist because it's of ridiculous. his debate performance. I do not see that. I, I just reject that fully. Women mm -hmm. can be attacked same as men. They these are all three public figures who you know, Nikki Haley's running for president. Ronna McDaniel's RNC chair, and Kristen Welker is an NBC anchor of Meet the Press. All fair game, and every criticism he raised was not beyond the pale. I mean, the, the comment on the daughter, I get that that was, there's generally a rule yeah. you don't go after people's kids, but that's I don't not know. Sexist. She was grown up. It's, it, no, but know, I, I'm I, just saying, but I, I, whatever, you can like it or not like it, but it, there's, I don't think it's sexist in any way. No. I, I, I thought it was sexist, actually. I don't think that. To mention he the daughter? Have, yeah, I, I don't think that he would have gone after a male candidate's parenting in the same way that he went after her parenting. And he said, you know, basically it was, it was, she, she was derelict in her role, role as a mother. I don't think that a male candidate would have had his kids behave, his adult child's behavior. It was Mike his Pence. Face in the same I way. think he would have gone after Mike Pence in the same way. It's the moralizing that he was going against. Like, you don't like this, but your daughter does it. Like, it, mm -hmm. I, I just, it, I think it hits certain candidates better than others. And Nikki Haley or Mike Pence would have been perfect targets for that kind of attack. Well, the three inch heels was another thing that people thought was sexist, but yeah, honestly, like silly. he's trying, but I didn't think it was sexist. It was like, that's what she's wearing. She's wearing actually five yeah, inch heels. Yeah. That's the only thing he's, he's basically just trying to say Dick Cheney in a dress. Would that have been sexist? No, he's trying to say like, you're Dick Cheney, except you look like this. I didn't, I, right. I have no, to that, say, I'm no, fine I'm calling not. out people's sexist behavior, but did not see mm -hmm. it there. And I don't think Nikki Haley should be playing that card. That's it's not it doesn't make it OK just to say it in a cutesy like he's I'm just saying he's got a girl like stick to the issues. I realize these two don't like each other, but just like don't Republicans don't want to see those fights. I, they do not want to yeah. see those fights. All right. They do want to see fights with the media and with media that that is just fine with The New York Times hiring a literal Hitler lover. Um, they're fine with that, but they do get upset when Trump uses the word vermin. OK, <laughs> So that brings me to the next clip of Vivek and this anchor. Watch. That language, they live like vermin. Do you believe that that is, as your uh, Republican colleague, Chris Christie, has said, neo-Nazi rhetoric? This is a classic mainstream media move. Pick some individual phrase of Donald Trump, focus on literally that word without actually interrogating the substance of what's at issue. The word I was chosen for a reason. we are in the middle reason. of a cultural war in this country. The well, word you was know chosen what? It, it, for a it's reason. It's actually describing a series of behaviors. You have Antifa and other related groups that have been burning down cities for the last three years in this country. Would you describe them Wildly as vermin? violating the rule of law. We have an invasion on our southern border. We have millions of people crossing our southern border. Let's talk about the substance okay. of why we have to recognize would, that we're not in ordinary you, times. Would you so use that language So the vocabulary of the vermin or not is not what's important. 
Well, I haven't used that language. So, so you can look you? at my, my track record on the campaign trail. I talk about the issues. We all talk about them differently. But what I'm not going to do is play some game of focusing on some word that somebody else said without ignoring entirely the substance of what we're actually talking about. You know what's vermin? What's running around San Francisco on a given day before Gavin Newsom cleaned it up on a dime to roll out the red carpet for Xi Jinping? If he could do that for Xi Jinping, he could have done it on an ordinary day. Focus on the substance and let's have an actual policy debate rather than talking to a presidential candidate instead of the policy substance of what's actually going on in the country, picking on some word that Donald Trump said on a certain day and asking me for comment on it. Give me a break. Doing That's this how it's clip. done. That's how <laughs> it's done. She was yeah. so rude. She was an interrupter. What do you mean? Would you use it? Would you use it? Shut up. He didn't use it. This only mm-hmm. becomes an issue if he uses it. If Donald Trump's sitting there, go ahead and ask him about it till the cows come home. This He's not Trump. He's 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 kind of like Trump, but but he's not Trump. No one is Trump, but Trump. And would you use it? Would you use it? Would you? Would you? Like, finally, he gave her an answer. I haven't used that term, which is as good as you're going to get. But would you? What do you try? Stop it. Stop. I loved how he handled that, Bethany. Yeah, I did too. I mean, it, it's, it's so frustrating for Americans because we see everything that's happening, the total breakdown of society and a CNN anchor, the desperate question she needs answering from an evasive politician is, would you use this word? The word does not matter, Abby. What matters is the Southern border. What happens is no one around the, the world is afraid of us anymore and everything is going up in flames. But yes, let's let's all focus on what's the real issue at hand, the use of the word vermin, which by the way, like, is not a crazy word to use in some circumstances. And it is bad to dehumanize people, but sometimes those people dehumanize themselves. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, you're not, you're not allowed to talk about those things anymore. Um, but I, I, this, is, this is why the trust in mainstream media is so, so far gone. Um, Carol alluded to it in the end of the last block, but, you know, when we found out that there were f- photographers who were embedded with Hamas on the day of the attack, there wasn't as much shock and dismay as we should have had. And it's because our expectations for the media are maybe not low enough. And that's really saying something. Yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, honestly, like you look at some of the behaviors of these people who are migrating into the country illegally with the serial rape of women and young girls. I mean, like rape trees where they're tying up young women and just raping them. Yeah. Vermin. Great. I'm fine with it. Go with it. Yes. Yeah. Stand by it. Like she, I don't even know if she knows that story. She probably doesn't because they don't give a shit right. that the border's open at CNN. Uh, okay. Now I'll get to the clip that I didn't like uh, because I think this is where Vivek, like he could be doing much better in the polls if he would just mm, reel back on the know-it-all portion. Let me explain it to you because you're too dumb piece of his approach. This is my armchair analysis of his style. Here it is. Once the United States achieves semiconductor independence, do you believe it will be in the United States's national interest to deter China from invading Taiwan? We will evaluate at that point in time. It will not be preferable for China to invade Taiwan even that's then. That's not an answer to but my question. we will question. then adopt what is our current... But you are not what is answering... Our current, because that's in the future, Abby. You're not answering my well, question. You know what, will the whole it be point in the, the United States' Abby, you, national you, I think interest you don't understand. to deter Abby, China do you, do you actually from know what strategic ambiguity Taiwan. means I'm right just now. asking you do, a simple question. Do you well, understand do you the think current that after 
the current posture is strategic Mr. ambiguity Ramaswamy, right it's now. A yes and or I, no, I have a feeling you don't it's understand a yes what or that no is. Answer. So I can, I'm happy to educate you if you're interested. Strategic ambiguity will be what we resume. It's the current status quo, and that's what we will resume after we've achieved semiconductor independence. It's so, that simple. The status quo will be exactly what it obtains after we've achieved semiconductor independence. A, and in a, the meantime, we have to be answer, clear. A simple that answer no would says be, that we will defend Taiwan. A simple answer to that question would actually be a yes or no. But I do want to turn now to a different topic, to politics. It's, Here's it's, what your, answer is, here is what you have, your fellow Republican... is a more complicated... Here, than, uh, here's than you're making what, out to be Abby. So what I'm happy fellow... to explain it to you if you're interested. Mm, no, I'm happy to explain it to you if you're interested. If you, if you would like me to educate you, it's annoying. That's annoying. He's already up against the, uh, you're the know-it-all at the front of the class who's got to prove how smart he is every time. Right. You know that you got your hand up on every question. Everyone wanted to beat that kid down, right? Everyone <laughs> wanted that kid to get punched out at the playground. Don't be that kid. Don't be that, just tell her she's wrong. Maintain your composure, do what you did in the other two clips, but stop like, you know, you're going to get the mansplain, but it's not about the sex. It's about just the know-it-all smug, condescending nature, even though we don't like media. That one didn't work for me. Carol, what did you think? I, I thought it was not so bad. I, I I don't think it's as bad as you do, but maybe because again, I think of him as that guy. I think of him as the guy who's like, I have the explanation that you're looking for and I will tell you about it. And he's just so... Just I, I'm not a fan. Again, I, I find him to be this know-it-all guy who has no business at all running for president. Um, I thought he was interesting before he ran for president. I, I thought his book was interesting. I, I don't know that any of that makes him um, in a position to lead the free world. And him running as this like Trump surrogate has been just I don't get it. And I, I find him just overall to be this guy that you know argued with Abby. I would love to hear him say like you know to the aunt to the question of uh, would you use vermin? Well, would you work at a network that uh, had, you know, rehired a guy who had masturbated on Zoom? Because you do. Um, and <laughs> one reason that's okay. So that would have been great. You know, I, I, I'm okay with attacking the media. I just find him to be not that great at it overall because he comes off as pretty slimy. Oh my God, that would have been so good. That <laughs> Free one for you guys for next time. <laughs> Vivek, you should... You should consider talking to Carol. She's got some good singers. <laughs> Ladies, it was a pleasure. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks, All right, we'll see God. you again soon. Uh, and up next, very happy to be joined by Carrie Prejean Bowler. She's back and there's a lot to go over. Hey, everyone, it's me, Megan Kelly. Mark your calendars. News Nation, Sirius XM, December 6th in a live primetime event. The News Nation Republican primary debate. Sirius XM's Megan Kelly returns to the moderator's seat. I'll ask the questions you want to hear. Real issues, tough questions, every contender. Because if you want to be the leader of the free world, you better be ready to give America the answers they're looking for. Live from the University of Alabama, the News Nation Republican primary debate. Moderated by Sirius SiriusXM's Megyn Kelly and News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas, December 6th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Watch it on News Nation, America's fastest-growing cable news network. Find News Nation on your screen at joinnn.com or listen on SiriusXM Triumph Channel 111. Go to SiriusXM.com/mkshow to subscribe and get three months free. Offer details apply. The News Nation Republican Primary Debate. See you on the debate stage. To find News Nation on your TV, go to joinnn.com. 
We've been covering a lot of serious topics this week, but I've been dying to get to some of the hottest stories out of Hollyweird, the world of sports, including Megan Rapinoe's career coming to a glorious end. And we have an abundance of stories involving biological men taking over women's spaces and sports. Among them, this weekend's big Miss Universe pageant, where a record two trans people are going to be competing for the title of the world's most beautiful woman. Two guys. Who better to talk to than my next guest? Carrie Prejean Bowler is a former Miss California 2009, a mom and a community activist. Carrie, great to have you back on the show. All right. Thanks for so having me, Megan. Here we go. Here we go. You got not one, but two trans contestants. I think one's from Portugal, and I can't remember where the other Oh, the other one they're from like uh, Norway? Netherlands. Netherlands. There we go. The Netherlands. Um, competing in the Miss Universe pageant. This has been a possibility since 2012 for the world's basically most beautiful woman. It's gotten to the point where they're actually competing for, to be the most beautiful among us because, again, the best women are men. Hmm. It's so sad, Megan. You know, when I competed at Miss USA, we had to sign a contract saying that we were naturally born women. And I remember all the ladies getting together and being like, this is so ridiculous. Why would we ever have to sign this? And now fast forward to 2023, you're seeing men wearing woman face competing in Miss Universe. Um, but I'm not surprised because the owner of Miss Universe is a man um, wearing woman face and um, yep. pretending to be a woman, masquerading as a woman. And I'm not surprised that uh, they just filed bankruptcy. So I don't think anybody's going to be tuning in this weekend to Miss Universe. <laughs> no, nobody's nobody wants to see that. No one wants to see that. And honestly, no. even if they manage to fool you, there's something disturbing about that too, right? Like, I don't want anything to do with it. And uh, I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Nobody else does either. Okay, no. we, we've called out woman face. I guess we're going to have to call out man face now because Kim Kardashian is one of the men of the year on the GQ cover, on the GQ cover as man of the year. Why? Because she apparently is expanding her, you know, compression garment scheme. Look at this. It's a horrendous photo of her. She looks absolutely terrible and she's sucking her thumb because she's just eaten Cheetos. She's wearing menswear. She looks, I mean, like she's drenched. I guess this is a thing now. You're supposed to look like, you know, you've been, I don't know, in dunked rain. in the pool before your photo shoot. And I, you know, if we're going to call it out for one side, she's not pretending to be trans, but this, like they couldn't find a man to be GQ's yeah. man of the year. Yeah. There are no longer sacred spaces for men and women. We're seeing uh, men win women of the year. We're seeing women masquerading on GQ as winning man of the year. It makes no sense. And I find that that photo to be very, um, actually quite sexist, because if you look at her, you know, she's sucking her thumb in a very sexual way. And in reality, it's like, where are the feminists? Why are they not outraged by this? Because she's just being objectified, you know, GQ is bought by a bunch of men. And so, you know, any man that looks at that is seeing it as very sexual. And so it backfired on them. You know, they thought they were doing something amazing, having a woman on, you know, GQ as man of the year, but in reality, it only, you know, makes the patriarchy win. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. And it's it's like, what, does she need to be on all these magazine covers? I'm sick of looking at her. I Me too. hate everything she stands for, right? She's she trying has- to change your daughters and mine into self-obsessed, selfie-taking, take like uh, enormously yeah. manufactured all over their body and the denying it type girls, right? Like it's all about your yeah. looks. 
It's all about how you look. And she said it to the one sister on one of the episodes. You're not interesting looking enough. You're the least interesting looking of all of us as if, as if this were some sort of a sin. Yeah, I think she's destroyed an entire generation of young women. You know, I have a lot of friends who have uh, girls that are in high school. My daughter's 12, um, not quite at that age yet, but um, they have told me that their daughters worshipped the Kardashians, that every day, day in and day out, they were just, you know, flooded with their pictures on social media and, and this obsession with body image and, you know, having a little waist and a big butt, which is totally unobtainable. Um, right. And so I think that the Kardashians have destroyed an entire generation of women. And here we are now as conservative women trying to regain, you know, um, be role models for these young girls because they really have nobody to look up to. I mean, think about it. The Kardashians have taken over the entire, you know, fashion industry, um, makeup industry. They are just obsessed with themselves. They're obsessed with making money and they're a terrible example to our young girls, Megan. And I'm tired of it. I don't follow the Kardashians. I don't like them. I think they're horrible role models and they, they send a very bad message to our daughters. Couldn't agree more with every word of that. It's ridiculous. So it's like, I don't know if they, these are the girls who do surrogates. I, I can't remember. I know Kim Kardashian has given birth to at least some of her own children. And let me tell you, as somebody who's had three kids, you don't have the waist that's like that, like Vivian yeah. Leigh on Gone with the Wind after you've had three <laughs> babies. It's not a right. normal thing, but she doesn't yeah. admit to any of it, right? It's like, oh no, I just got a little skinny. Oh, it's this my special, you know, line. No, bullshit. You had that stuff surgically removed and put in your ass it's obvious to all of us, but it's not clear to our little girls who look yeah. at it and think, gee, I guess there's a different beauty standard, even though you and I as moms are counter-programming against that kind of mind melding. You know, a lot of kids are getting it and thinking that this is something they have to live up to on the subject yeah, of like people we don't like. <laughs> yeah. Megan Rapino, back in the news, once again, feeling sorry for herself. So I thought we just covered her last her last big soccer match, but I guess that was just the world cup. Now she played in like the real, real last one. And I guess within the first couple of minutes of the game, she tore her Achilles. And instead of saying, I, gee, I'm sorry that I couldn't play. I I'm sure my team was let down. This is a bummer, but I'll work to get better. She decided to blame the God in whom she does not exist. Here is the soundbite on number 21. I thought about it a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there wasn't God, like, this is proof that there isn't. This is f***ed up. Um, so, yeah, it just, it's just f***ed up because, like, six minutes in, eat my Achilles. I mean, what the f***? It's proof that there's no God that she had an Achilles injury. What a, what a narcissist. She obviously doesn't know God, but wants to blame God. Um, I would suggest, hey, Megan, if you're listening, why don't you, while you're healing from your Achilles tendon, why don't you open your Bible? Why don't you pray to the God that you don't believe in, that you're blaming for your injury? I think that there's that that is proof that there is a God because he brought yeah. you to your knees, Megan. He brought you mm -hmm. to your knees when nobody else was around you. So maybe while you're resting, you open your Bible and you repent. You repent of your sins. Because you're a horrible human being, Megan Rapino. That's my message to her. It's unbelievable. And listen, at a minimum, how disrespectful to the millions of fans that she does have, 
who are believers. Like, how disrespectful are you? You're such an asshole. First you say, I don't believe, but this is proof if he does exist that he doesn't, that I would get hurt. Who would ever hurt me, Megan Rapino? She has no respect for the country, for her fans, for American soccer, and I'm thrilled to see her exit stage left. Uh, as we're on the, her, the subject of her, though, as you know, one of her parting swan songs was to question whether there really are boys and men in women's sport giving themselves an unfair advantage and taking titles that belong to girls and women. She doesn't believe it's happening. She thinks it's a made-up lie. And of course, every time we have you on, there's another slew of stories proving that it's real. It's an actual problem. And if she would like to do something good for the world, she would speak out about it like Martina Navratilova has, right? I don't mm -hmm. like Mar Martina's politics, but I love that she's finally found her way to the right place on this. She tried it. She said the right stuff. Then she got browbeaten and she, she reeled it all back. But now she's landed in the right place on it. And um, I'll just give you one example. So there's uh, there's this one runner. We've covered the him before. His name is Athena Ryan. He's posing as a girl. And he just, the headline is, Boy Dominates Girls High School Conference in California, where you are. He just finished first in a field of 55 girls at the Coastal Mountain Conference Championships in Santa Rosa, California this month. Freshman Josie Hill was cheated, reading from Icons Women, was cheated out of her conference title. So this boy, not only won, but dominated everyone. And a freshman girl, who apparently is a sensation, would have had the title, would have made national news because she's a freshman. But no, instead, he's making all the news because he stole her spot and the feeling of being first. Yeah, it's really sad, Megan. You know, I was a college athlete. I played sports my entire childhood. And if I had to compete against a boy, I mean, to think about our daughters now that they are losing out on their trophies, on their awards, on their scholarships. And I have a son who's very athletic and he could take on my daughter any day of the week in any sport and dominate her just because he's a boy. We have to agree that men have a biological scientific, you know, advantage over young girls. And the left does not want to admit that. And we're seeing that the last place boy that competes against the top five girls will dominate them. That's just reality. And the feminists are completely silent in this. You know, I spend a lot of time coaching my daughter's sports, softball, basketball, tennis. And it's so sad to me to think we might as well just hang up our cleats now, Megan. We might as well just mm -hmm. stop wasting our time because one day, hopefully not, you know, my daughter's going to lose her scholarship to some dude that's just claiming he's a woman because he knows that he can't make it in the men's division. It's wrong. That's what happened. I want more women to stand up and take a knee and say, I will not compete against the boys and, and fight back against this. That's when this crap is going to end, Megan. Yes, it's happening more and more. Um, and I'll get to that one second, but just a little bit more on Athena. To your point, he had mm -hmm. been running on the boys team from yeah. Sonoma Academy through 2021. And then he switched. Then he switched over to the girls team Back in this past May, he won second place in the Varsity Girls 1600 meter finals of the CIF North Coast section meet uh, of champions and was so thrilled at how well he did when running against girls. He bragged about how much time he'd cut off of his run. Take a listen. We have the soundbite. 
I've dropped like 17 seconds on my season best in the past two weeks. So after last weekend, I didn't think I could run low fives again. I would just come here and try to break five, and I'm just glad I finished it out. Crazy. And what goes through you? Like, how, how do you maintain that confidence all the time? That, that positivity that you try to take, knowing that, hey, I need my best race today, and you have this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just know, always know I have something in me. There's always a little bit there. I can't. I don't think about it until I can pull it out, and then once I do, it's just there. There's always a little something in me. It's called testosterone. That's. That's what it is. No woman could shave 17 seconds off of her time in two weeks. Doesn't even occur to him or the interviewer to point out that's because you're a boy. With the respect, sir, it's because you're a boy. That's why you came in second. And that's why you came in first just now. And yet the parents out there, Carrie, they don't want to say anything. They don't want to offend anybody. And where are his parents? They should be ashamed yeah. of themselves. It's cheating. It's cheating so is right. It's so, so now wrong. you see, I thought it was interesting. Like, I don't know much about pool, like billiards, um, but there's like a fierce competition in billiards uh, in pool. And you can make money on this thing, like if you win. And recently, the a female pool player refused to continue the game. She had made it to the finals. And actually, her family has spoken out about this, too, saying this is actually a very big deal. It was like a lifelong dream of hers to make it to the finals in, in pool. And the women play against the women. You know, it, like any sport, there are minor differences that may change the way a male performs and a woman performs. And um, so you'll see here at the beginning, you're going to see her walk over to the ref to leave the game. And then the cheering starts. Watch this. So her name is Lynn Pinches. And the trans person she refused to play against was Harriet Haynes. Um, they hit balls to determine who would go first. They shook hands. And then Pinches went over to the ref to let him know she would be forfeiting. The fans were applauding her. This is for uh, Fox News and, and Outkick Kick and Daily Mail reporting it happened over in Wales, UK. Um, Haynes, the trans person, can be seen putting their hands out like what's like what's happening, and then later shaking his head and putting his finger to his head like a gun. Haynes was presented with the trophy after being declared the winner of the ladies' tournament of the English Pool Associations uh, on, on their official website. And again, now Pinch's family is saying they're very proud of her. Her brother was saying, this is huge. Like, I completely agree with what she did because it took a lot of courage. This is uh, the trans person is on the right and uh, Pinch's is on the left. Um, and her son also praised her saying, look, she, here, this is Pinch's right here. Um, and that's, look, this would have been so much, meant so much to her, for her to actually forfeit the title trophy prize money, whatever way you want to look at it, would not have been easy for her to do. So did she do the right thing by walking away? Absolutely. Bravo, Lynn. You're a hero in so many of our eyes. Um, who would have thought that it took a, a billiards player, a female player to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to compete against a man. Um, we see it every day in, in girls' soccer, basketball, base, you know, softball. Um, just the other day, I went to, I was coaching my daughter in softball, and I see this boy, and he's competing. Thank God he wasn't competing against my team because none of our girls would have played. I would have taken a knee immediately. But I thought, wow, how ballsy to be competing in my, in my daughter's sport. And it's happening every single day. And so bravo to Lynn to say no. 
And that was a big, big, big thing for her. That took a lot of courage. And I want to commend her for that because more women need to start doing what Lynn did. Refusing yeah. well, to. Well, and so now there's another story on this front from Canada where a female boxer withdrew from the competition after being matched against a male fighter. This is insane. I mean, pool, I'm sure somebody could explain to me that there are sex differences that affect the game. Boxing, yeah. I, I can get that one. I understand. This is the female who was like, no, I'm not doing this. Um, and then the trans boxer was upset that he was outed as a man posing as a woman trying to fight the women. Uh, this interview happened a couple of weeks ago. The competition took place in October. Take a listen. This is the man who wanted to fight the women. My opponent made the decision to withdraw from the tournament based solely on a text message received from another coach. Uh, and rather than asking me or my coach or even Boxing Quebec for any further information, uh, she went directly to the media and outed me publicly. The best way to ensure fair competition is not going to be to tighten regulation or require arbitrary and invasive testing, but to trust coaches and athletes to select the most gender appropriate category for their gender. Actions like these put athletes of all kinds of risk of exclusion and personal attack based on PSA. Oh my God, he's very upset. He's not gonna be allowed to punch the women. Yeah, knock her out. This, I'm telling you, Megan, and I wanna say thank you for exposing this stuff because you don't hear this stuff on the mainstream media. They will not cover this stuff. They don't want people knowing about this stuff. So thank you for bringing it to, to our attention. But someone is going to get hurt and it's going to be the women. The men aren't gonna get hurt. The women are going to get injured and we see it all the time. You just saw it the other day with, um, I think it was lacrosse where that girl got, I think her, her teeth knocked Field hockey. Field hockey, thank you. I mean, what is it going to take? Is some girl going to have to die before we say absolutely not, no more? Mm. It's wrong. And that could happen in the boxing ring. I mean, the nerve of this guy to be playing the, it's dangerous to me to have been outed by her. You stay in your own lane and you'll be fine. No one's going to be outing anything about you if you just damn well box as the man you are. You want to come over as a woman, her calling you out on it is not the problem. The absolute entitlement, Carrie, that's what it is, the entitlement yeah. of these guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they know that he knows that he would get he would get demolished competing against men. So what does he do? He joins the women's competition. What a chump. I mean, and, and, and where is the outrage? That's what I want to know. Why, why aren't women marching in the streets over this, Megan? Why aren't women outraged about this? Where are the freaking feminists about this? Because women's rights are being eliminated. We will no longer, ha no longer have our safe spaces in sports, in, in, in anything. And the feminists are silent. Shame on them. Yeah. I mean, the one thing he said that I agree with is... Hey, the league allowed it, you know, like they, he, he's right. That's a problem <laughs> that that should not have happened. They were setting this poor girl up to get beaten to within an inch of her life. And so no yeah. wonder she walked away. I'm sure it was on principle and out of safety, but you know, we, we covered this story a couple of weeks ago. We're up in Canada where they're absolutely losing their minds on this issue. Um, Carrie, they allowed a 50 year old man to compete against 13-year-old girls 
and 12 year old girls. You have a 12 year old girl. So do I in this yeah. swim meet, a 50 year old man who declared that he was a teenage girl. I'm they telling you allowed it. This is where this crap is going, Megan. If you can just identify as whatever the hell you want, maybe my, you know, a retired NFL playing husband should just say he identifies as a 10 year old and go compete in my, my son's championship game this weekend. Is that where this right. is going? Right. I mean, really? Is that That's where this is it going? Feels. It's how it feels. And it's so wrong. You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, my, my, my brother-in-law told us this story. He lives in California by you. It's got more oh. than its fair share of odd people. And he was in a Starbucks and somebody came in with their dog. And there was a woman in the Starbucks who was like, oh, can I say hi to your dog? And the person's like, sure. And the woman got down. <laughs> she allowed the dog to smell her butt. And then <laughs> she pretended to smell the dog's rear quarters. No. People are insane. But you know, that's a trend. Like it's not just the trans thing anymore. Now it's like, you're a furry. You're not, you don't just love dogs. You are one. You sniff their butts in the Starbucks, I guess, to be inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. We have lost our minds, Megan. We have absolutely lost our minds and there is no more objective truth. It's all subjective. It's like, oh, well, I feel like a woman. Okay. Yes. You're a woman. You can win women of the year. I mean, women are being totally eliminated. That is yeah. the reality. And that is the message that I want your viewers to hear. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it in your own little spaces, in your own little communities? Are you going to show up at the school board meeting and fight to have women's spaces sacred? Or are you too afraid of the backlash? It's time we stand up. I mean, it's, gonna, it's not going to end. It's not going to end. It's absolutely insane. You got kids showing up to school with their freaking, uh, you know, tails and their little cat ears having kitty litter boxes. Yes. They say they're right. a dog. Yeah. And like making animal noises. Like, okay. Um, I want to talk to you about the feminists because they're nowhere to be found. And including, honestly, on this whole Middies conflict. It's amazing. The, the reports of the rape, the torture of women. And I apologize to the audience. It, these are jarring facts. But there was a report, eyewitness report by multiple people, including verified by Israeli officials, of one woman who was raped repeatedly by these Hamas terrorists and then shot in the head. Forgive me. It's very graphic. They cut off her breast and threw it around, like played like a football with it. And you don't have the feminist groups over here. They don't, they have no mental clarity on it, no moral clarity on it whatsoever. They praise Hamas and these assholes. We talked about at the top of the show, praising Bin Laden as though these are some some sort of a group that we have anything in common with? Do they know what these people do to women? Do they have any idea how many wives Bin Laden had? What was done to them? What their oh their alleged equal rights? Right, they're silent on all of it. Yeah, they are. I don't. I don't even know if the feminists exist any longer. I really don't. All the women who showed up in Washington, D.C., you know, with their with their little hats that thought they were so cool, you know, standing up for women. Where are you now? Where are you now when women are being raped, women are being abused, you know, scholarships are being taken away from women. Where are you now? 
completely silent. You want to know where they are now? They're the new LGBTQ mob. That's where they are. They're pushing this crap. And guess what? At the end of the day, the patriarchy wins. That's what they're pushing. They wanted us so equal, so equal that there are no longer differences. They don't care about women. They don't care about babies. They don't care about, about any of us. They care about their agenda. So one of the one of the women who organized those marches, the, the March for Women's Lives with the pink hats, yeah. um, is a rabid anti-Semite. And so it's like, it all comes together. There's, there's a reason she's not speaking out. She's loving it. She's team Hamas. Uh, her name is Linda Sarsour. And it came out shortly before the Women's March that she was this rabid anti-Semite. No one cared. These women still showed up as though they were, had common cause with her. And here she is the other day talking about these lunatics pulling down the uh, hostage posters. Uh, which she had some advice for the people doing it. And here's a hint. It wasn't, please stop that. Listen. And one thing that I will remind all of you good people that are out here, that there are provocateurs all across the yeah, city. Yeah, yeah. And what they're waiting for you to do is to waste your energy yeah. ripping down their little posters so they can record you and try to get you fired from a job. Sisters and brothers, you are better than that. You are not going to be hoodwinked by opposition and provocateurs to do some stupid shit that's going to get you in trouble and it ain't even helping the people of God. So when you go home tonight, they have their little people all around the city. Trust me, I know them. I got a radar for them. You think they're your people. You think they're ordinary people. Trust me when I tell you they are everywhere. They're on your college campus. They're outside the supermarket. They're outside Grand Central Station. So correction, it was don't do it, but don't do it because these annoying little people are going to get you fired and we mm. can't deal with that. But she's totally pro team. This is the woman who organized the women's march. These are the feminists yeah. who we're waiting for to swoop in. These are the feminists. What does she have to say about the woman whose breasts were cut off and then handed around to all the men? That's what I want to know. What does she have to say for that woman? Yeah, she's busy. Yeah. Pulling the posters down of women just like her who are probably undergoing similar acts on a daily basis. All right, let's let's end on a frivolous note because the conversation is so dark and it's awful, but it's important. But I, we've got to talk about Lauren Sanchez and Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Did you see the glossy Vogue spread on Ugh. this pair? It was I love it when people like just kind of cut right to the chase and reaction to this stuff. And somebody was like, read the room, like, in t like given what's happening right now in the nation, read the room on yeah. what's appropriate Vogue and Lauren and Scott, uh, Jeff, I mean, um, so they're, they're pictured all over. Like he built some, I don't know. It's like some under a giant diamond cut underground clock. She's in her like gown down in this giant underground diamond cut clock. Who's talk about having it to burn. She <laughs> um, uses the word magical a lot. Her favorite recent film was Barbie. And as Maureen Callahan brilliantly puts it in the Daily Mail, this isn't just a fawning profile of Sanchez and fiance Jeff Bezos. It's slobbering, non-critical, and as superficial as their mnemonic physiques. Pneumatic, pneumatic physiques. Callahan notes um, that the writer, who's actually the daughter of 
actress Candice Bergen and the late French film director Louis Molly uh, takes a cattily elegant dig at Sanchez's somewhat gauche aesthetic. Call her effect exuberant luxury, she writes, a reminder that not every wealthy woman needs swaddle herself in the row. Maureen says that's some prime bitchery right there. Um, it goes on and on about this woman who, let's face it, this relationship began in an extramarital affair. They were both cheating on their spouses, but now they're getting the Vogue treatment to where we're supposed to believe it's the grand love affair. And they point out about how out on the yacht, she's wearing her crop top, partying with Leonardo DiCaprio and Prince or Queen Rania of Jordan. And when questioned about how this isn't very green of them to have the yacht everywhere and the private jets, um, Sanchez is undaunted about her own carbon footprint. I think Jeff and I are really focusing on the long-term commitment to climate. We're extremely optimistic about it. 10 billion is just the beginning. She says they also use green aviation fuel, Carrie, whenever possible, and that their yacht can sail using only wind power. We've done it and it's magical. I'm, I want to puke in my mouth. Me too. I'm like, oh, please. Ugh. That is, I mean, how tone deaf can Vogue be? I mean, how tone deaf can they be with everything going on in the world? That's what they want to put. That's who they want to talk about. That's who they want to highlight. It's disgusting. I don't even want to give them two minutes of my time. They're, they're, they're gross. <laughs> and that, that photo of them, oh, she looks like his daughter. It's disgusting. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're talking about him. Like he is some sort of like, I don't know, alpha ah. male. I'm trying yeah. to find it. Okay. Bezos emerging from the water like a Mediterranean he-man in palm print swing trunks. His fiance captions the photo. Is it just me or is it hot outside? I mean, please, Bezos is no one's idea of a he-man. Um, the, the, this guy just a couple of years ago was like this dweeby little book salesman starting Amazon. I think we've yeah. got, the, look, 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 look. That is Jeff Bezos. Ew. Now, because he has, he's the third richest man in the world, this woman who was a news anchor has decided to leave her husband who was, he's like the, the head of uh, Endeavor, Ari Emanuel's like co, whatever, agent business and marry him. This is the before and after, but look at this guy. And, and this is what they write in Vogue. Much has been made of his evolution from round-shouldered online bookseller to a Tony Stark titan of, in, titan of industry and the third richest man in the world. Now, she says, once insular and press shy, he formed a tight cocoon around Amazon and his then wife, Mackenzie, and their four children in Seattle. Now, it's as if he's emerged from his chrysalis, a swole monarch, swole, <laughs> which I actually had to look up. It just means swollen. A swole monarch, no longer Amazon CEO, but an empty nester who's venturing not only into the Adriatic, but into outer space. You know what it is, yeah. Carrie? It's magical. It's just magical. Oh. I mean, it's just stomach turning is what it is. We've lost all morality. I mean, we're celebrating a man who cheated on his wife and he has four kids, right? Yeah. I mean, and then she cheated on her husband with this guy. I mean, it's, it's so gross and it's, I give it, how, how many years do you give it? Mm, That's pretty not going to make, not going to make the seven year mark. So no. I, I take the under on seven. Hard no, hard no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So imagine if you're Jeff Bezos and you're cheating on your wife or you're thinking about cheating on your wife, 
Do you really think that anybody's looking at you because you're, you're good looking and you're great and they really want to hang around? They want you for your money. And let me give you a little warning, Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez. You lose them how you get them. Yes. Lose them how you get them. Yes. How you get a man is how you're going to lose him. Sorry. Right. So it's like proceed at your own risk. Enjoy your billions of dollars while you can on your green energy yacht. Me, Carrie, I'd rather not have any of those trappings. No. More money, more problems. That's I'll I'll leave it with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly right. Well, great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. As always, love your candor and your fearlessness. Carrie Prejean Bowler. Okay. And thanks to all of you. So I want to tell you something, a special programming note about tomorrow. We're excited to have Dave Rubin and there's plenty to go over with him. I don't know if you saw this Gail King soundbite on CBS this morning. We're going to go over it among other things with Dave, but special guest back on the show tomorrow to respond to these young people becoming sympathetic to Osama bin Laden, the guy who put a bullet between bin Laden's eyes. Rob O'Neill will be here tomorrow. Don't miss it. Make sure you download the show and check us out. Thanks for listening to The Megyn Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.